welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Today I am joined by our Argyle experts Chris Errington, Jack Ball and Baron Cross to look back on Saturday's 1-0 home defeat to the MK Dons. Hi chaps. Morning Stu. Morning Stu. Uh, Chris, start with you. It's becoming a bit of a familiar tale. Uh, defeat for our goal, but plenty of positives in the performance again by the sounds of it. It was a funny one, wasn't it? It's three defeats in, in a row, which is never good at any stage of the season. Um, Graham Carey sending off in the first half was clearly the uh, the main talking point out of the game. In the second half with 10 men, Argyle gave it a really good shot. Um, you know, Joel Grant's really got to score that chance he had um, about an hour mark. Got him behind the back of the defence. It's got to hit the target. Um, there were chances late on. Sonny Bradley, you know, got so many important goals for Argyle last season. Got on the end of a corner from Lone Lanesworth, but the ball skimmed off his head and went wide rather than going in the back of the net. Um, you know, I, it's difficult to take positives when you when you're losing games and not scoring goals. But they did play pretty well. But you can only say they played pretty well, but for so long, and they're going to need to try and turn this around fairly quickly. Yeah, Barry, we spoke about the, um, the the potential lineup for yeah. our goals game on mm-hmm. Saturday, and you were you were pretty strong in the in the fact that you felt there was going to be two or three changes. To yeah, the side, definitely. So. I mean, uh, we we were talking before the team news came out, and Chris and I were predicting one or two changes, maybe two at most, perhaps, given that there's quite a few players that are quite settled on that side now. And um, when we found out it was unchanged, there was a few raised eyebrows. You know, we we talked about this before the match that Derek Adams isn't afraid to ring the changes if and when there's been a bad performance. So it was, it was surprising to see that there was there was no, no changes and the fact he'd come out after Warsaw and been so critical. Um, but they performed, I mean, it, it is ironic that he performed better with, with 10 men. I mean, I don't think there's any argument with that. I mean, when it was up to 11, they, MK Dons were sort of picking holes in them, really. They're quite shaky at the back. So um, perhaps we will... Um, We'll have changes um, tomorrow night, perhaps. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a Tuesday night game. We've had only two or three days rest since Saturday, so maybe there's more cause for uh, yeah. for Adams to ring those changes. We'll, we'll come on to that game in a bit. Um, as Chris mentioned earlier, the, the big talking point was Graham, Graham Carey sending off. Jack, you've seen it on TV. What was your what was your take on it? Is it the wrong call by the referee, or, or did you feel... Yeah, I, was, I, was, to go? I wasn't able to get to that game at Home Park on Saturday, so I, I've only seen it once on TV. Um and I've not I've not seen it too clearly, but to me, it's given the referee a chance to send you off. And I I wasn't I didn't see much of the play before before the incident. Obviously, um, was it was it really a needed tackle? I'm not really so sure. But if you give the referee a chance, he's going to send you off for things like that. We've seen it time and time again in the past. Whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant, really. I think I think. I think. Yeah, what about you guys? Do you feel it was a, a sending off? I think it's a bit harsh, Stu. If I'm being honest. Um, I think the reaction of the Milton Keynes player certainly didn't help. He rolled over and over and over. But you see that all the time. I mean, it's not just a one-off, is it? That that happens a lot. Um, you know, it was a tackle that needed to be made. If if Kerry hadn't made the tackle, people would have said, well, he should have got stuck in. That was a ball there. He could have won. Um, I can sort of see why the referee gave the red card. What I would say is I never like seeing referees show red cards, you know, straight away, as soon as the incident's happened. Mm-hmm. Give yourself five or ten seconds just to have a think about a what you're going to do. Have a word with the assistant. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? But it was literally foul, um, red card, no consultation. I mean, I did a little um, uh, poll on my my Twitter account. Um, just you know, should Kerry have had red card, yellow card, or no punishment at all? 
thanks to everyone who took part, it was about 366 votes, uh, and basically 70 odd percent felt that it should have been a yellow card. And I, I'm probably in that camp. I think it, it, it probably should have been a yellow card, yeah. but you know, the referee was there, he reacted on the spot, you know, and, and made a decision. The same referee, by the way, who sent Robbie Weir for Leighton Orient off after 20 seconds of their game against Argyle um, last season. So he's not afraid to show a yellow card. Well, wasn't it two red away. cards in the first 20 Two red cards in yeah. the first 15 minutes. Yeah. But there's yeah. not many referees that would send somebody off after 20 seconds of a game, is there? And, no. And Charles Breakspeare was that one. So, you know, clearly a referee that's not, you know, averse to showing, the, to showing yeah. a red card. So, you know... I think it was harsh, but I, I, I wasn't totally surprised it was a red card. Where, where do you think Argo will go with it, Berwyn? Do you think they'll appeal it? And yes, if well, they do, do you think they'll have much success? In, in the post-match press conference, Derek told Chris immediately after the match that he wanted to appeal it and he was going to talk to James Prince and Martin Starnes. I, would, I, don't, I don't know how much an appeal costs, but I'd be very surprised if Brent and Starnes didn't back Derek. Um, but... I think historically um, these types of things aren't rescinded very often. I don't think the EFL would, would get too involved with that and actually go to the effort of reviewing limited video footage of this incident and actually not backing their referee. So I think from their perspective there would, there would be enough there from Kerry to, to back up the referee. I, don't, I think for us, I mean, we're, we're a little bit biased in Argyle's favour, but I think if you look at the, the challenge again over and over with the benefit of hindsight and you slow the video down, it does still seem quite harsh to me, but you know, in the cold light of day, when it's happening and the referee's you know, more than 10 yards away and in the heat of the moment, yes, he should have taken more time, but you can forgive the referees for making mistakes like that in the heat of the moment when it is happening so quickly. But um, yeah, I, I think they'll be without him for three matches, unfortunately. Do you feel Kerry's perhaps a victim of his own frustration? I mean, there yes. was an incident just a couple of seconds right, before yeah. where he felt he should have been given a free kick. It, it, it felt didn't get it. In the build-up to that incident, it felt like, because Argyle were behind, and there was a few things that weren't going off, Kerry's set-piece delivery was not good. There'd been a few little sort of fractious tackles and fouls he'd given away here and there. He was dis- dispossessed once or twice, and I felt he was growing frustrated. And he had to move around Cissé to travel towards the ball. And he shouldn't be lunging for that. Jack said that. You don't give the referee the opportunity to send you off. Because it was, he was overstretching and he shouldn't have done it. In that area of the pitch as well. I mean, guys what are you doing way, going into a final tackle like that on that area of the pitch? So yes, I, for me personally, it was his frustration. It felt like he was cutting a frustrated figure. Yeah, Chris, another thing Derek Adams mentioned afterwards was the sort of gamesmanship of MK Dons and the time-wasting and the way their players were rolling about. Let's go back to last season. Remember with Derek Adams with the whole ball boy thing, taking yeah. players off. You know he's, he's got to get used to that, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a fair point to raise because it was fairly obvious, but everyone does it. I mean, you know, when I go winning games one 0 and you know there's five minutes of stoppage time, you take the ball into the corner and you keep the corner, the ball in the corner as long as you can, don't you? That's that's time wasting. Um, yeah, it, it's a frustration when you're on the receiving end of it. Of course it is. Um, but um, I don't think they, they did it overly. Um, you know, the keeper wasn't wasting quite as much time as the Scunthorpe keeper did to say the fortnight earlier. But it's part of football. Um, it's not particularly edifying when you're on the, on the receiving end of it. But, you know, you have to take the rough of the smooth, don't you? Yeah. One thing I did notice was that he said that, um, I think it was in his post-match comments, he said that the referee said to him yes. that he'd booked three players for yes. time-wasting. Was that yes. something you were aware of? Or? No, no, he certainly didn't book three players for time-wasting. I think might possibly one, but certainly not three. So, mm. no, I, I, I think he could have clamped down on the time-wasting more. Mm. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you know, managers can come out and moan about time-wasting, they can moan about gamesmanship and whatever like this, that and the other, but if the referee clamps down on it, 
and it stops. Yeah. But um, I, you know, it, it is modern football. And it's down to the referee. He's there to to control the game. If he doesn't clamp down on it, then uh, you, you can't necessarily blame the team that are winning um, for doing what they did. No. Well, we put the uh, appeal out there for questions from readers once again, and uh, pleased to say that there was a very strong response. Thank you, everyone. So, yeah, indeed. Mm. Start with one from Chris. Why are Argyle so poor at finding strikers who can score? Derek Adams needs decent backing at this level. Why does he not get it? I guess, Chris, he can only work with the money he's given, and the board can only give him what they can afford. Um, well, it's not me that asked the question, by the no, way. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit worried that you thought I was just going to give that to you anyway. Um, why, uh, why are Argyle so poor at finding strikers to score goals? Well, they had Ruben Reed, who scored 20-plus goals for two, two seasons running not that long ago. Um, and uh, he's moved on, obviously, now to, to Exeter. The, 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 the way we, I think we touched on this before in, in the podcast, but the way Argyle line up under Derek Adams, you were going to struggle to find a 20-goal season striker with... We're playing one up front now. You can have a debate about whether Argyle should be playing two up front now, but that's a separate point to the question that Chris makes. Um, Argyle have got to share goals around. The way that Derek Adams sets his team out to play, goals have got to be shared around. Of course, you want the striker to chip in with some goals, and uh, Shiftchi had a couple of really good opportunities on uh, Saturday to have opened his account. Um, Derek Adams needs decent back in at his level. Of course, he does. Um, yeah, well, I, I, no one's going to disagree with that. He would like more money. Um, I'm sure the board would like to give him more money. Uh, people will say, well, what happened to the money that was made last season? Uh, some of it's been invested into the squad. Graham Carey won't be on a cheap contract now. Some of the players that would be brought in won't be on, on, on cheap money. I can't imagine Nadia Chifchi's come down for peanuts. You know, yes, it's on a loan, but I would expect that Argyle will be paying at least some of his wages, and he signed a four-year contract at Celtic after a one and a half million contract as well. So you know, there's, there's, and the and, 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 and yeah. that's what I was going to touch on as well, Baron. You know, you, whether you like it or not, the, the the lack of investment at the football club in general since it went into administration, there the, the has come a time where they need to invest in the club. They've invested in the training ground the last two years. They've invested in the pitch again over the summer. The pitch looked fantastic on Saturday. That's no consolation when you've lost 1-0. But the facilities are improving. The structure's improving. Um, so, and, you know, why does he not get get back in at this level? You know, I think I've sort of tried to answer that in, in, in that, sort of, that, that sort of response I've given. Of course he would like more money. Um, Argo would like to give him more money, I'm sure. But, you know, um, there's something, somebody said to me last uh, tweeted last week, Apart from, you know, um, was it Portsmouth from Bradford? We're the biggest club in League One. If you look at it, Argyle haven't been in League One for six years. And, you know, whether you like it or not, you, you could argue that Scunthorpe and Walsall and teams like that are bigger than Argyle. Not in terms of crowds, necessarily. But in the last decade, they've had more success at a higher level than Argyle have. Mm. Argyle yeah. have got to get into League One, establish themselves and build from there. Yeah, it's what you know. How do you base that whole big club thing? You know, it is, yeah, yeah. Historically, ten years or or whatever. Yeah. Moving on, then Richard Sloman sent another question in. Do Argyle need to consider employing a defensive coach like Paul Sturrock used to have with John Blackley? Mick Heathcote or Graham Coughlin would be ideal for the role. It just seems there are nerves and a lack of organize organization at the back. Jack, I mean, well, Coughlin's not really an option, is he? Because he's at South End, and I don't know what Heathcote's situation is in terms of coaching badges, but. Do you think they need a defensive coach to come in? Well, this is this is a defence. I, I don't 
that did well last season. I know Ryan Evans wasn't part of that. Sonny Bradley's possibly not been at his best so far this season, but this was a player that got player of the year last year and they were praised for their backs against the wall defending last season. So I don't think you can suddenly, because they struggled on a few occasions, now say that the defence is awful. I think they was doing a good job over Derek Adams' tenure in, in total. It, we've spoken many times throughout the podcast saying how a new, a new defence needs to get gel, needs to get used to each other. And I think that will take some time. But you know, the 4 0 defeat to Scunthorpe, they were down to 10 men. They were down to 10 men again at Saturday, they only lost 1 0. I don't think the defence is as poor as some people are making out. And I think sometimes it's very easy to blame the defence when the strikers aren't scoring as well. Yeah. If, if the strikers are hitting the target, a Joel Grant would finish it as 1 1, possibly the defence would, would not be being mentioned at all. Yeah. Fair point, Aaron. Yeah, I think um, they've got Paul Watson now, haven't they? I mean, he's, he's the defensive coach. I don't see what, if they were available, Mickey Kettle, Graham Cochran would do that Paul Watton's not doing. I mean, Paul Watton's a very experienced, established performer in the EFL. You know, he knows what he's talking about. So I don't think anybody coming in would do anything different to what Paul Watton is doing, unless you were paying out big bucks for a, you know, a well-recognised international coach. So... I don't think the coaching needs to change. I think um, there possibly was a little bit of lack of organisation towards the start of the match. I think the goal, Gary Miller got sucked in. I don't think Ryan Edwards has picked up his man in the middle, so Gary Miller had to come across and cover which left Aiden Nesbitt free behind him. But um, it's like Jack says, it's just it's just picking on something that, that they, they lost 1-0. I mean, they didn't get battered, did but Also, they? if you look at some of the teams I've got play, like Peterborough, um, I've got beat a Charlton 2-0, they've gone on and beating teams by quite heavy score lines, you know. Yeah. I think people have scored four goals on a few occasions. Um, Charlton have done the same. So I've got to play some tough teams as well. And it is a step up in their level, you know. It's you're playing against some teams with some very good strikers. Yeah. Richard O, Argyle are in a rut and nothing seems to be going for them right now. Joel Grant's miss on Saturday seemed to sum up their start to the season. Derek Adams' frustration was visible, even before Kerry's red card. Is this persistent bad luck or is this now a team confidence issue? How does Derek Adams turn things around, Chris? Yeah, it's, it's not great when you lose three games in a row. Um, I'm not sure I'd get to the stage where I'd say, is this now a team confidence issue? Um, you know, I think if you get to five or six games, then you can start you know, saying, yeah. saying things and like they're that. they're playing well as well. You know, you, they've lost three games. In two of those games, they've had a player sent off before half-time. That, that doesn't improve your odds of winning games. Now, I'm not saying they'd have gone on and won the games even with 11 men. You know, you know, I can't say that. Um, but in those two home games in particular, playing with ten men for a large chunk of the game is, is not a great uh, situation to be in. Um, how does Derek Adams turn things around? You know, the, the only way you ever really change things in, in football is hard work on the training ground. You've got to keep plugging away. Conceding goals, I think they've, it's not the, quali- the quantity of goals they've conceded, they've conceded some really soft goals, I think. That's, you know, Baron was spot on with his analysis of the, the Milton Keynes goal on, on uh, Saturday in terms of players not picking up and players getting dragged out of position and leaving the space. Uh, the goal against Walsall, the first one, Daniel Agnew's goal, it's a free header from a left, left, unchallenged left wing cross. Mm. You know, it doesn't really matter what level of football you're at. You know, even in the Southern League, you, if you don't stop somebody crossing and not and don't pick somebody up in the box, you're asking for trouble. So um, hard work, drill that defence. That's what Sturrock used to do. Drill the defence. Make sure that you stop crosses coming in. If crosses come in, make sure you pick your man up. Work hard. And then the the set piece delivery hasn't been great in. in well, probably for most of the season, in all honesty, hard work again. 
Drill it. You know, Sonny Bradley, we know, can score goals from set pieces. Ryan Edwards scored a cracking header at South End from a set piece. Work on those set pieces. It's, it's not particularly, you know, exciting or whatever, but drill that defence and work on those set pieces. Get those two basics right. Things should start to improve. Yeah. Ryan Renfrey, Argyle were a team with very good discipline last season, but have now been shown two red cards in two home games. Are the players frustrated, or do you think they have just been unlucky? I think the first one, the the, the um, Sarsovich one, there's no arguments with that one, is there, Baron? But yeah. perhaps unlucky on Saturday. I mean, I've, I've already sort of staked my claim. I, th- I think Kerry was frustrated, and, and he just lunged out because he was getting a little bit fed up with the way the game was going, and then he wanted just to win the ball back. I think it was a bit petulant. Um, so yeah, I would say of, of the two options that, um, that Ryan has given us frustrated or unlucky I would say frustration I mean Sarsovic certainly got wound up didn't he by, by Paddy Madden and, and shouldn't have done really uh, and Carey again I think was frustrated too I don't know what Jack Crisfield but I think it's frustration both both were avoidable weren't they yeah. I think so mm. ok moving on Tom Clark Saturday was my first game I wasn't overly impressed with Nadir Chipchi he lacked pace, couldn't jump, perhaps short on fitness, but more importantly, he wasn't able to hold the ball up. Is Derek Adams playing in, in the wrong attacking formation and should maybe play him off a genuine tall number 10? What have you made of Chifchi so far, Chris? Um, well, he's, he's certainly not fully up to speed match fitness-wise, um, but he's been brought in to play the role that he's playing. You know, Ryan Taylor was, was out injured and uh, Nadia Chifchi's basically come in and replaced uh, Ryan Taylor and he's keeping Nathan Blissett out of the starting lineup. That's uh, the position he's brought in to, to be played. Again, we, you can debate about playing two up front and whether you should do that Chief Chief with whoever, Alex Fletcher, Blissett, whoever. Um, that place, I don't think he's naturally, but on what I've seen of him in the three Argyle games and from what I recall of seeing him play for Dundee United a few times, I, I don't think he's in the team for pace. Uh, I don't think Ryan Taylor was in the team for pace. It's his physical presence, his ability to hold the ball up and things like that. Um, Tom says he, he couldn't jump. I, I, I wouldn't say I was aware of the fact that, you know, I think he's won a few headers and things like that, but, you know, we all see games differently, so I'm, I'm you know, not going to disagree with Tom on, on that. Perhaps short in fitness, yes, I think he probably is. Wasn't able to hold the ball up. Um, I, th- I think in the, the, the certainly in the first game against Scunthorpe, I thought that was one of his one of his best parts of his game against Scunthorpe. I thought against Walsall in the second game, the service to him was pretty poor, and he ended up uh, almost playing inside his own half rather than uh, further forward. On, on Saturday, I thought he did all right. The free kick was was really unlucky that hit the crossbar. It was a great strike, you know. Again, just with a little bit more luck, that goes in. He should have scored the one on one with the keeper though, just before half time. You know, that would have really changed the momentum around if. Teman and Ar- Argyle had gone in at 1-1 at half-time, having just scored before the break, that they'd have had some real you know, positive feelings about the way the second half would have gone. So um, I don't think he's done bad, like any, like any striker. Get that first goal as soon as he can, and that will hopefully uh, kick, you know, help him kick on. But again, yeah. also two of his games have been in, in matches yeah. when they've been down to 10 men. Yeah. But again, when you're a striker playing front on your own, it's hard enough beforehand, let alone when you've got one less man. And... I think it's it's a hard role to play that one at the top on your own. Mm. You're not going to score a lot of goals possibly, and you know it's, strikers are, can often be judged by fans purely on their goal tally rather than their contributions in the game. So I think bearing in mind he's played two games with you know, a numerical disadvantage, he's not he's not done bad considering that. Yeah, and as Chris said, Barrett, if he can just get that first goal, he'll 
it could well be. Yeah, I think so. Be. I mean, um, like Chris says, the free kick was really impressive. And when he, when he hit the crossbar, I thought that the confidence would come into him. And you could see how much it meant to him. You know, he's quite a, um, he's quite emotionally sort of shaped. You know, he had his hands on his face. You know, he was very, um, he was gutted. He'd hit the crossbar and hadn't found the net. But um, yeah, I think he definitely seems like a confidence player. That's what Jackie McNamara, the manager who had him at Dundee United, said. He said he's a confidence player. He needs to feel loved. I think Adam just keeps playing in there and he, and he gets that little bit of luck and gets that goal and feels like he's an important and integral part of the side then yeah the goals could follow I mean I think Tom Clark makes a good point I don't think he's match fit yet and I don't think we've seen the best thing yet um, didn't particularly impress me on Saturday to be honest beyond the free kick and the one on one that he really should have scored but time will tell I think that there's there's a few similarities perhaps with Good Willie in that maybe he is going to play better with two up front I think Good Willie was an infinitely better player when he played alongside Garita so Maybe time will tell. I mean, if, if we see uh, Chichi Pope from with somebody else, then we'll be able to, to tell, won't we? But we haven't seen it yet. So we, we can't know for sure if he will play better with a partner. But I think what we can say for sure is that Alex Fletcher looked good on Saturday when he came on. And I think he's going he's gonna to put a bit of pressure on Blissett and, and Chichi for some, uh, for some more game time. Yeah. That's sticking with Tom. He's uh, sent the second part to his question. On the positives, I think our guy will have a real find in Jamie Ness. He covered a lot of ground and looked a future captain. A similar player to Fox, they bossed the second half of the midfield with one less player in the team. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. Ness was good. I think we were talking after the match, we were trying to pick out the key men for Argyle, and on a difficult day with ten, and I think I think Ness and Fox were were, were the best players for me. Uh, I absolutely agree. He's very very similar to Fox, and I think Ness is only going to get better and better with more match fitness. But yeah, certainly impressed me. He was a key player at Scunthorpe as well last season, wasn't he, Chris? When Scunthorpe got to the uh, What's the playoffs? Yeah, no, uh, you know, obviously he had his injury problems in pre-season, but I think he's come back well from that. And uh, him and David Fox are, are definitely similar type players, but I don't think you can have too many players in the team that are good passers. So, um, you know, the, the, both of them seem to be uh, gelling quite well there. Yeah. Moving on, uh, a question here for you, Chris. I don't know if you know Alan Lofnane or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, a question to Chris that might be, uh, might be interesting. Can you see any similarities with Argyle and how Crystal Palace have been playing so far this season? <laughs> Tabor seems very unlucky not to be picking up points. Is it a case of bad luck at the moment with our guard? There's a common denominator here, Chris, and it's you. Yes, <laughs> I know. I didn't have a great weekend. Argyle lost and didn't score. Palace lost and haven't scored since goodness knows when. <laughs> and even me and FL team, the 49ers got beaten with only a field goal in the defeat. So um, my sporting weekend wasn't the, wasn't the best. Um, you know, similar you know, teams that are struggling, you know, struggle to score goals and can't keep a clean sheet. So in that respect, Argyle and, and Palace have, have got similarities. Is it a case of bad luck for Argyle at the moment? Well, there is a bit of bad luck, but, you know, football's not always easy. And sometimes you have good spells, sometimes you have bad spells. And, you know, there's no magic answer to these things. You've got to work hard. You make your own look, don't you, Chris? You, you do. I mean, we said that, yeah. remember Ryan Donaldson's yeah. goal that went in on yeah. his backside last yeah. year? We said that was making your own look because yeah. he followed it up and worked hard. And like you say, it's just... The harder the work, the luckier, yeah. luckier you get. Yeah. It, it, it's cliches, and, but they're cliches because they're, they're true. They're true, yeah. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, they, they've just got to work hard. And I mean, they work hard on the training ground. There's not many teams that do as many double sessions as Argyle do. So it, it's not the lack of, of work time and the effort they're putting in. I think it's just getting the messages across, you know, as, as, as we said earlier, work on that defending, work on set pieces and, and hopefully things will improve. Yeah, obviously there's a quick chance for our goal to get their season back on track with the game against Blackpool on Tuesday, tomorrow night. Uh, given the result on Saturday then, uh, is there more pressure perhaps on our goal to win this game? I mean, we looked at these two games and 
we kind of felt oh, God, I really needed to win at least one just to get the season up and running properly really yeah I, the, there's always pressure to win every game isn't there but yeah having lost three in a row they're at home um, it gives them a chance to try and bounce back but you know um, it certainly won't be easy against the Blackpool team that have made an excellent start to the season what are they seventh in the table um, drew at Scunthorpe 0-0 on Saturday so uh, they look in good form but you know, Argyle have just got to cut out, you know, improve in both boxes. I spoke to Ryan Edwards after the game and he's, he made the point and I totally agree with him. They've got to improve in both boxes. They've got to, you know, defend suddenly and when they get chances, take them. They, they've had chances in games. Mm. Most games, Walsall, you know, you could argue the point, but in the other games, they've had chances to have won all of those games and they're not taking enough of them. Somebody's got to stand up tomorrow night on, and, um, and, and take a chance. Preferably get the first goal of the game because you can't keep conceding the first goal in the game so early on as well, they're you early know, goals. Five they? out of six league games have conceded the first goal, and a lot of them are early goals. You're making life very, very difficult for yourselves if you do that. Yeah, and of course, Jack, you remember Blackpool when they came down in March and they looked a really impressive team that night, they, didn't they? They did, and I think that not many people really backed them to, to do much in League One this year. So that, I guess in terms of that, there's not much pressure on them. I think they are unbeaten in five games. They'll be looking to be unbeaten in six at Home Park. A few familiar faces will be returning. The, the, I said last week that the, the, the one game that's really hurt is the, the Walsall game because the performance wasn't great. But the, the, the thing that's encouraging is they are making chances. I think there'll be much more of a concern if they weren't looking like scoring at all, weren't getting into the right positions. They're having the chances, and that should give some fans some hope that it is going to turn around at some point. You see teams sometimes that are you know, not doing well on, on a bad run of form, and the play's just not there. There's no, there's no sort of t- attacking impetus, as it were. But I think Argyle definitely got that. And if Kerry's suspended, it gives probably Ruben Lemire it's a good chance to impress and if he you know, great chance to stick a claim and, and he might have that for the next few games yeah question from Colin Sampson which I put to you Baron uh, why is Derek Adams not using a wider selection of players that he has available to him the substitutes on Saturday brought a new flair to the team what about Bissett and Chifchi up front Ainsworth also looks sharp as did Lemire's and what about starting with Wild I feel the team needs to shake it up lots of questions there Colin doesn't want much does he <laughs> no um why is he not using a wider selection of players? Well, I think we've, we've said that from the start of the season, Adams, first of all, wanted to stick with what he knew. So he's given the players that got the side promoted last season a fair chance. He wanted to give them a good go. I think we're getting to that tipping point now, aren't we? We said that before um, before the NK Dons game. We were saying we were approaching the point where Adams will start making some decisions on players. So I think that's why he hasn't used a wider selection yet. He's given last year's crop a fair shout. Uh, the substitutes did. I, th- yeah, I agree. I think that the substitutes were good on Saturday when they came on. They looked bright. Uh, what about Blissett and Chifchi up front? Yeah, it's an option, isn't it? I mean, it's this is going to be one that doesn't go away until Adams does it and it, and it fall, falls flat on its face or succeeds. So wasn't great at Walsall in the second and, half. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't you know, there. But yeah, yeah so if, yeah. time will tell, I suppose. Yeah. Um, mm. Doesn't sound like it worked out at Walsall. Maybe we'll give it another go at some mm. stage. Um, Ainsworth also looked sharp. So did Lemires. I think Jack's right. I think Lemires may well get a start um, tomorrow night. Greg Wilde seems to be a long way from his thoughts because Greg Wilde wasn't even on the bench at Warsaw, was he? Yep. And and he, he didn't, didn't get on on, the, on Saturday. So he's certainly behind Ainsworth, Chifchi, and maybe even Fletcher in the attacking substitutions um, order of merit, if you like. I feel the need teams to shake up. Yeah, I think... I mean, Saturday was the first time I've seen Argyle in a few weeks and I know the narrative has been they've lost but we're playing well apart from the Warsaw game. So um, I'd probably agree with that on Saturday. I thought like, they did play play fairly well. I mean, there were a few chances. I mean, Joel Grant was the one that sticks out. Has to put that put that away. So 
maybe a few players did earn a reprieve on Saturday playing with 10 men and, and outplaying NK Dons in the second half so maybe there won't be as many changes as some people will be expecting on Tuesday night but like I said I think there's with the short break from Saturday to Tuesday there's certainly reason there to believe there could be one or two if not three yeah Chris we've touched on the two up front we actually ran a poll on our on our live blog that I put out there and it was about 75 to 80 percent of our goal fans said that they wanted to see two up front but you just can't see it happening right now because Derek Adams is is he is setting this sort of one up front and mm. as he said after the Warsaw game when he tries it it doesn't seem to work for the club so what, you know, why go with two up front if it's not working for him? There's definitely a clamour among a lot of fans to play two up front but um, you know the, the manager's track record tells you that this is the style of, you know, style of system that, that he employed he did it at Ross County he's done it at Argyle he's had a lot of success at both clubs um, Yes, you can't be too stubborn and, and set in your ways and, and not try things out if things aren't going your way. Um, but I, I, I'm not convinced Blissett and Shifty is, is the answer, in all honesty. I don't, I don't think that would work. Um, I think that's too much of, too much of a muchness. Um, Baron mentioned it earlier. I, I thought Alex Fletcher did really well when he came on as a sub on Saturday. Really impressed with him. Um, composure. He unsettled some experienced Milton Keynes defenders. You know, Derek Adams has talked about loaning him out. On what I saw on Saturday, I wouldn't be loaning him out. I'd be having him on the bench at the very least for the next few games because I think he's he's got a bit of confidence from scoring those two goals against Chelsea in the Checker Trade Trophy. He he must know in his own mind that he had a, a pretty decent you know cameo performance against uh, MK Don. So um, if if you're looking at making any changes, I, I'd be sort of you know thinking yeah he's he's definitely knocking on the door at the moment. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks to Chris, Baron, and Jack for joining me. We'll be back again next week with more of the same. But don't forget, we'll host our Argyle web chat on Friday ahead of the weekend trip to Bury. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at HeraldPAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.